Welcome, this is Logical, the UAE's first legal podcast. Now, Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalava and Pleska. My name's Similit, I'm socially distanced. We're on the 19th floor at Dubai's JLT, Jumeirah Lakes Towers. Uh, district at the firm's offices with the managing partner Ludmilla Yamalava. As always, Ludmilla, lovely to see you. Pleasure to see you too, Tim, and thanks for being back. Good to be here. Now, in this edition of Logical Fitness and Wellbeing, specifically personal training, fitness coaches, the things you need to do to set up the rules, the regulations, and how you set up building your well-being and fitness empire here in the UAE. Now, it's a specialist industry. It's an industry that's been hit hard by COVID-19. There are all sorts of ramifications uh, of training people, children. Uh, and we have a special guest to talk us through everything you need to know, Mark Massad. Uh, it's good of you to join us today. Yeah. Hello. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Nice to see you. Now, Mark, let's start with you and your experience in the industry. Tell us your story. Yeah. So uh, anyway, back to my experience. So I've been in a business of sports and fitness and health and wellness for roughly around 25 years. So um, it uh, started um, in uh, on a wonderful country of Africa in the beginning. Yeah. And then it has evolved to Europe in France and then uh, moved to the States, uh, New York, New Jersey, and then ended up here in Dubai um, after quite a few years, uh, being in contact with all different type of nationalities and around the world and learning all type of different way of uh, spreading the love of sports and health and wellness around the world. So I wanted to, to kind of give a little bit of background as to how why Mark is here and why we're having a chat with Mark. Uh, so um, obviously because of Corona, a lot of things have changed, uh, in particular with regards to schooling and uh, sports activities and access to those facilities and activities for our children. And so we were looking in our community for to bring someone to our community to help uh, teach sports uh, to the kids uh, in the area where we live in Dubai. And um, I, I reached out sort of high and low, uh, looking for someone who could come uh, to our community regularly. And uh, in particular, in the beginning, at least to teach uh, football uh, to a few kids the age of five and around. Uh, and uh, it wasn't easy because uh, obviously, uh, because of Corona, a lot of people have left town. A lot of people lost jobs and uh, could not uh, sustain their lifestyles here, and they had to leave. Those who were left uh, obviously needed support, perhaps from uh, uh, bigger companies or institutions, and therefore could only accommodate us on their terms, i.e. coming to them, to their facilities, to their training centers, uh, which is all fair, but that wasn't really what we are looking for. Uh, so we found, um, I, I actually posted... Uh, a request on the Facebook group, some of the uh, moms groups, and asking if anybody had recommendations for football coach. And uh, I was um, uh, I was given a number of different numbers and spent a, a good few days um, talking to different people and identifying who might work best for us. And Mark's number was also passed to me as in that context. And 
somehow whenever I spoke when that, that one time the first time I spoke with him we just hit it off I mean there was just a connection right away uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm in his voice there was a lot of excitement in his voice and, and commitment which is what uh, you want when you're looking for someone to uh, to come and teach your children sports you want someone who is happy who is passionate and who is switched on and uh, and committed uh, so that's basically how uh, he came to uh, into to my life sphere. He said he was going to make it work. He was going to do whatever he could do, and he'd call me in a few days. And but he will focus on making this work. Uh, so uh, and I told him the community where we live. If you um, this could be just the beginning, uh, because if you have uh, a talent and a gift, uh, we we have so many children around and so many parents and. Especially because of COVID now, um, we have a lot more sort of captive audience. People limit their whereabouts and um, their movements uh, to, uh, plus their social circle. So um, they do still socialize within the community, but they prefer to kind of stick to those who they know. So what a great opportunity. I said, well, you can come, you can try it out and see how it works for you. And uh, and I guess the results of his success speak for themselves. Uh, he since then he's offered all sorts of other sport activities, not only to older kids but younger kids. Anything from two two to three year olds. There's lots and lots of kids that are interested in playing football at that uh, age category. He does swimming. He teaches swimming in that community to adults and youngsters and adults. And he's done a few sport uh, sports camps, and we are planning to do more. And the reason for this for this kind of background is because, and this is what I detected from talking to Mark the first time around on the phone, is you feel that passion, enthusiasm, excitement, uh, and I will do anything to make this work. Uh, and uh, if you have that combination of skills and uh, assets, uh, it's it's almost always a sure formula for success. Now, I don't mean success, meaning you become a millionaire, but more success in terms of just being not just being good at what you do, but being recognized for what you do. And uh, obviously, the community uh, saw that and recognized his many talents. And uh, this is why he's so involved now teaching different kids, different sports um, at different ages. Uh, and um, and it's really because you could see on the field and on the grass, you could see his energy, his enthusiasm, his excitement, but also his warmth for the kids, but also discipline, which is what you want for the children in particular. So it truly is, a, in many ways, a rare combination because... Um, how do you teach? We are as parents struggle <laughs> to get our teach, uh, children focused and disciplined and, and excited at the same time. But for a stranger to do that to uh, to other kids and not one kid, but a group of kids, it's uh, it's not easy. It's truly not easy. How he does it, we're all kind of in awe. And so, um, uh, but I know it also hasn't been easy for Mark because of COVID. Uh, and um, it's, um, you know, I'm sure it affected his business. And perhaps you know, every challenge is also an opportunity. And that was his opportunity, opportunity to uh, perhaps branch out and be curious uh, to know more about uh, what brought Mark to Dubai to begin with, what was his role, uh, was model, business model, mm. and how well uh, it has worked out, or perhaps uh, how much you had to branch out and, amend your goals 
uh, in line with reality. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, obviously, the fact that he's been here for as long as he has and uh, speaks volumes about his ability to to carry on. So on that note, how, what, what brought you to Dubai? How did you start? And what is the ex exactly the activity that you... Uh, that you have attached to your business. Yeah. Um, so, um, so it's, yeah, it, 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 you have to really have the, the great, like I was telling before, to be able to get into, uh, moving from country to country. Uh, bear in mind that I was, I was living in the States. I was uh, coaching in some of the top, uh, golf and country, private golf and country club between New Jersey and New York. Um, uh, but after a while, I decided to myself, I said, okay, well, Dubai and the UAE, this wonderful uh, country that keeps on reinventing itself and uh, offering wonderful opportunities for entrepreneurs. Um, so I decided, well, let me come and try over here to see if I can replicate what I was doing in the States over here and open up myself to a whole new, brand new type of um, market in terms of spreading uh, health, wellness, and sports uh, in the Middle East and, and more and beyond. So that was, that was the first initial uh, steps that I took uh, moving from the States to, to, to Dubai. Um, coming here, not knowing the market at all, um, I had to adjust in the beginning. So what I did in the beginning was to kind of study a little bit of the, the, do my research on, on, on the type of businesses and the type of, uh, setup that, uh, you know, um, uh, individuals or companies could, um, could go into to be able to, uh, move forward, uh, in the line of business that they want to do. So it took me a couple of years to do that, um, studying the market and seeing uh, back then uh, some of my competitors, how they were expanding. They have been in on the market for quite a long time. And uh, for a while, it's, uh, it was quite challenging, I have to say. Um, you know, moving from country to country as an expat is not easy. But um, with determination and, uh, and goals, um, if you don't have goals, like I always say in business, I mean, you know, in business or personal, you need to set up goals. And, and when you wake up every morning, you need to tick the bar of the goals that you have and see where you're at in the middle of this and then uh, moving and move forward from there. So after a few years, um, uh, I saw a lot of opportunities in the market, in the GCC and, and, and the Middle East are all in general and new emerging markets. And uh, I decided to go on my own and uh, set up uh, my own business. So first you were working for someone else. Yes. In the beginning, I, I, I employed myself uh, through some of back then my competitors uh, to be able to see how, the, how, how they were uh, evolving in terms of sports activities and, 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 and licenses and all type of uh, different legal ways. And uh, after a year and a half or two, um, being in the market, I um, knowing myself that you know I always wanted to be independent, and I always been independent in terms of when it comes to business. I decided, okay, I'm going to move on, and uh, you know, um, had a few contacts that I that I met throughout the years, and uh, yeah, from there on, it's history. And what was the concept of your business? What did you want to do? Was it a personal trainer? Was this 
uh, just as a consulting company because there's yeah. we always talk about licenses and and that in then of itself is not easy to identify yeah. what is the right kind of form of business and the right form of license and and activities attached to that license that we need to have to actually do what we do legally. Yeah. To go back to to to, to the the type of licenses that we we're talking about in general, it all depends on what are you setting up yourself for moving forward. I mean, some in a business would want to keep on being freelancers. Some in a business would want to see and grow even more by having another type of uh, business ventures. So therefore, every step of the way, you have a solution for what are your goals looking forward in terms of financial rewards. So, uh, meaning, But also costs. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so meaning that um, in order for you to set up, let's say you want to set up um, a sports academy, Right. So uh, a sports academy, which is what eventually I venture myself into uh, being into sports. Originally, I figured that um, the way to go forward and to be genuinely uh, unique in what you offer is to be able to offer a type of sports all around sports academy for the general public, as well as the private entities and businesses and stuff. Uh, now, the business model that we're here before and I, is still here now is, let's say, I want to learn how to play tennis. Therefore, I'm going to go to a tennis academy. I want to be a personal trainer. Therefore, I'm going to go and teach less meals only. Um, that's the general business uh, setup that is all around the world and here in the UAE. Now, my concepts was more of, uh, let's say, the Uber type of, I always call myself the Uber type of sports. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can, it's a cool name, but anyway. Um, it's more like an all-around general type of, you come to us, we have the sport that you need. You come to us, we have the fitness trainer that you need. Uh, you just have to call us and we will provide you with what you need for Okay, so you started out first as uh, just a freelancer, or did you go straight for the business uh, sports academy license? Um, I, I started as for a while. I was doing my own uh, specialties that I, that I would that I'm good at, and for and after a while, I myself um, because I love to be into business development and entrepreneurship, so I decided to go myself and start knocking on doors uh, of, of schools, uh, nurseries, uh, communities, and, and so on and forth, and see if we can expand our business to a wider audience. So there's two things to it. So to be able to go to schools and nurseries, obviously you need to show your, the, what legal entity you have set up that would allow you to offer those kind of services. So what was your license at the time, for example? What is it now that ultimately allows you to approach schools and nurseries knowing that you have the right legal foundation to provide those services? Yes. So um, so, so schools and nurseries, I'd say 80% of the time schools or nurseries will uh, ask for a certain set of documents that you need to provide to them. 
obviously, if you're going to offer a certain number of activities, whether it's an after-school activity or in-curriculum activity, you're going to have to provide to them uh, a set of licenses, uh, such as um, an all-around sports academy license, that is uh, delivered to you from a number of entities and recognized by a number of entities, such as uh, the Dubai uh, the Dubai Sports Council, as well as the Ministry of Youth and Sports, and as well as the DED, because the DED is those three entities are linked together, right? Um, so, so those are the main authorities that provide a number of licenses depending on the, the type of activities you want to uh, expand within the school and, and, and move forward. Mark, generally speaking, you let's look at the way academies work. You're specifically licensed with the, uh, the three entities that you mentioned there, for example. And you then can go and talk to schools. You can set up an academy in one area so you can invite people to come to you. But it's a different time now, isn't it? You now really need to be getting out to people and working with them where they want you to work. This is, and you mentioned this before we began recording, this is the the new normal, that, that dreaded phrase once again. I'd say there's two, two type of local situation or whether international situation with it, I, I believe it's the pre-COVID situation and the new normal that we call it post-COVID and that where we are now as to where I think and that's my personal belief in terms of uh, setting up a business or going freelancing um, if you still are ambitious and you want to keep your business flowing you're going to have to do a lot of readjustments in terms of uh, where do you want your business to move forward to? As to pre-COVID, what happened is freelancing were a very predominant uh, activities in the UAE right. uh, due to the fact that they had the flexibility to go to clients and provide them with what they needed at where they were, where they were staying. Um, now, freelancing is very limited because we're talking only one activity that you're going to ask for. Now, what we have realized and I have realized in the, in the market is people want to have more in terms of, let's say, activities for their little ones, uh, for themselves, um, without having to getting in a car and drive a long mile away. I mean, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you've got young children and adults as well who've been cooped up inside yeah. uh, in lockdown, for example. Yes. Um, and there's excess energy there waiting to burst out, isn't there? But what, what did COVID mean for you during the first lockdown, for example? What did it mean for your business? How did it affect um, you? It has impacted us uh, tremendously yeah. uh, in terms of financials and in terms of, um, of growth, if we want to talk about this, um, like every other businesses, it uh, we had um, we've been impacted tremendously in terms of um, of, of growth margin. Um, it took us as a business. Uh, it took us ten years to build a name for ourselves, and it pretty much took us six months or seven months to bring the house down. If I, if I want to put it this way. Mm. 
That's very interesting. So because uh, I think it's very pointed and representative of so many other businesses out there, though most businesses, you don't really hear that very often because obviously everybody wants to keep up a very strong facade. But the reality is exactly that. I mean, to build a name takes ages to build a reputation, takes ages in particular in a place like Dubai because there are so many, as you rightfully pointed out, there's so many entrepreneurs, there's so many people moving here wanting to embrace the, the opportunities. And so there's always new businesses being set up and there's you're always competing against somebody. So to actually be here for long enough and to build a name that's sort of consistent and recognizable and respected takes a very long time and it comes with its own set of challenges and uh, and risks obviously and pains but also rewards and uh, but to to ruin it all or to destroy it it's just as we've recently seen with corona it takes very little time so when i called mark that one day um when i spoke with him first i asked him so what's what's your business so who what are you because i was only given a name uh do you have um employees and um so you know did you have employees and what was your setup before covid and what is your setup now um, the, the way the way i was moving my business towards was have a very small amount of fixed employee, let's say 10, 15, 20% that are on the payroll. And the rest of it was supposed to be freelancing. Uh, free, why? Because, um, and that's another, that's another theory about how, how, how you want your business to evolve. Um, if you're trying to cut costs on a set number of fixed monthly expenses, you can work with a number of freelancing that will cost you a certain amount of money moving forward. But at the same time, you're using those expertise to be able to provide the services that you want to expand to in the market. And uh, now how many, what, what, what happened to those fixed employees and uh, freelancers? And, and- um, it has pretty much been wiped out in terms of um, post-COVID and, and moving forward. It's... Uh, it has been wiped out due to the fact that the majority of our contracts have have been no, haven't been renewed due to the, the ongoing challenges of uh, managing an in and out of a lockdown and surfing the waves of um, of r- rules and regulations. So, I mean, ultimately what your business was is this a sports academy yeah. that, and you offered services to schools and yeah. nurseries. Yes. And obviously with COVID, <laughs> those are your, your perhaps only client base was all of a sudden their whole paradigm was shifted and yes. kind of flipped upside down. Yes. So not only were the schools closed, but even when they reopened, the activities, the after class activities, the sports activities stayed closed yes. and, um, So it's for your type of business, where in particular you focused on schools and nurseries, it's all of a sudden, I mean, your whole revenue stream was just completely, completely cut off. Uh, And uh, that's kind of, (laughs) I don't know how you survived, to be honest with you. Uh, So... um, what what are you? I mean, what, what did you? How did you feel? Were you scared? And um, uh, what happened to all those employees? I mean, how did you deal with uh, letting them go? And the freelancers did they come to you and ask for additional pays and such? I mean, because these were very scary times. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, um, I mean, we're still dealing with some ramification of 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 those employees that left us. I mean, you know, obviously. Uh, being in a business of uh, working with so many, uh, so many people, you're bound to 
you're bound to have your ups and downs and, and keep on going and doing what you want to do at the end. But it, it is true that when you go with a portfolio of five to six major schools in Dubai, 15 to 25 major nurseries in between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, four to five major hotels. So you're going with a portfolio. I mean, we, we've built up a, quite an extensive portfolio through the years uh, that has put us on, on, on in a very, very, very top position. Uh, when you go from that to literally uh, gradually seeing your, I'm not going to call this an empire because it's an empire. I'm just going to call this a, a modest build up. Uh, when you go see, when you, when you, when you see this ev evaporating to a period of steady, slowly flow, you, you get into an, a type of anxiety uh, situation and, but you, you have to learn how to, have to respond to your most, higher up fears and, and reassess the situation and, and go from there. Mark, you, I guess, can take some heart. Uh, I don't know if this is, uh, this is a hard pill to swallow, I guess, but you take some heart from the fact that it's not your fault. This has been forced upon you by COVID. The schools are, I was going to say police, that's the wrong word, but the KHDA, the, the Knowledge and Human Development Authority, regulate the schools heavily. And they check in the schools that social distancing is in place, that sport that is not supposed to be played, for example, or activities that are not supposed to be hosted are not being hosted. So there is no way uh, you can keep those clients service the way you, you were before. So I guess there's some heart from that. Do you see, in terms of light at the end of the tunnel, what do you see now that we are starting to see a vaccination program? And, and it is a strong vaccination program here in the UAE. Mm. And from what we hear internationally, um, vaccination will make a huge difference. What kind of light do you see at the end of the tunnel? Um, I'm, I'm always on the optimism side, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go positive all the way. Yeah. Uh, besides uh, the hurdles that we've been facing, and we are going to keep on facing moving forward. As I always say, and I always mention to the people that I know, that I meet every day, and that I that I that I encounter on, uh, we're living in the new normal. Um, and uh, <laughs> I always use this phrase because it, it is true. I mean, I felt like. We literally, like, like our planet shifted. We went from a 360 degree shift, mm. planet wise, from, from our first lockdown to where we are now. And, um, the vaccination, um, campaign that's happening around the world are, it's, it's an amazing discovery. And I think that, you know, it's going to really alleviate uh, some of the fears that we have out there and get us back to a new normal. Will it be 100% pre-COVID? Um, I doubt. But we're going to be in a new normal as to where we're going to have to adapt to uh, what we have and what we, we are getting moving forward to be able to to work forward. So for you, keeping that in mind, looking ahead, what what would you do when your business continues to expand? And mm -hmm. I use the word continues to expand. Mm -hmm. Would you, again, hire people, uh, employees mm -hmm. to help you out? Or would you be uh, relying more on the model of a freelancer model where you call in on people when you need assistance? Mm -hmm. So from a business perspective and perhaps from a legal perspective, what um, what model do you think you would you would uh, opt for first. Yeah. Being on both 
end of the spectrum. I'd say um, moving forward, uh, I, I'd still be using uh, freelancers um, because I believe that freelancing uh, is 100% integrated in our society. And I believe that, you know, uh, specialties in different type of field, which are the sports or fitness or everything, is always required and when you want to expand your business. Uh, will I be doing it on, uh, on a higher scale? Probably not. Because at the end of the day, I mean, when you own your business, you and yourself is responsible and you have it at heart. No matter how much you want to put forward your beliefs and your your mindset of your business to 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 a number of external parties, you're never gonna get and achieve what you want to achieve. Uh, so, um, like like they all say, say if you want something to be done, do it yourself. I believe that this is this this will like summarize a bit of uh, my mindset in terms of of moving forward. Um, would you find the type of expertise that I've been into moving forward? Possibly, but rarely would that happen. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's interesting because that's often I'm asked that question as well or have been asked over the years. Well, why don't you do this in this kind of law? Why don't you uh, offer your services in what are the neighboring countries? Or why don't you perhaps grow your practice and add more people? Or And it's just, and I obviously I've had my own challenges in running a law firm. And the lesson I've learned for myself is just that I can only do what I can do and I can only control what I can control. But when you cannot, if it starts getting too big and too much, I just, it's no longer within your control. And therefore you can only control quality in particular. So for me, my model is just stay small and stick to what you can do, uh, what I can do, uh, because then you can really assure success because it's within your control. But when you start sort of spreading your wings too far beyond your reach, uh, then you lose control. And with control, you lose obviously control on quality. And at the end, what makes any business uh, venture successful is quality. So uh, I, you know, in my practice, I've downsized organically really, uh, from perhaps threefold. Uh, there was a time I had many more, many more people, but it didn't make me more successful and it did not uh, create perhaps better quality just because I had more people. And so I've just realized that I better stay small and, um, but focus on things that I know that I'm good at and uh, things that I can do and uh, just be happy with that. Uh, and I, I guess that is also one of the reasons why yeah, Corona has been tough on us as well, but uh, ultimately we sort of we're still here, we're still kicking, we've survived, uh, and that what makes us kind of nimble, flexible, and uh, we too are embracing the new norm. And uh, as this sort of the the old saying goes, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Can I turn to you, Mark? Just in, in this new normal, uh, I guess you have to put in place the normal licenses that you mentioned earlier on. You have to have contracts with clients. But would you just run through, and then I'll ask Luke Miller for a legal opinion, contracts-wise. Um, but just for a, a person who's thinking about coaching or maybe considering that as a direction in life, uh, talk us through the, the pitfalls of making those contracts with clients and getting people to a point where they're going to sign up for those 10 football sessions or, or whatever it might be. 
So, I mean, I'm just going to talk from experience and I'm, I'm going to leave the legal part to the Mila, of course. Um, from my point of view, as um, there's two ways of seeing things. When you, when you approach a client, whether it's an, it's an entity or it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a one person, you, you're coming in as two different ways. You're coming as a, as a, as a freelancer or you're coming as a, as a company itself, right? Whether either way, you're going to have to have legal status to be able to evolve and offer your type of activity you want to offer. Uh, now, to go on a bigger scale, if I want to approach a school, a community, um, a, a bigger development to be able to provide a wider scope of services, I'm going to have to enter a system where I'm going to have to have a, a licensed company that is licensed by, like I mentioned before, the three, three different entities in the UAE. This involves as well a number of sets of insurances that we need a third-party insurance that you need to involve as yourself as well and type of you know, um, uh, authorities that will give you the, the, the right NOCs to be able to evolve and legally being protected within the country. That's from a, a company point of view. And from, from, from the freelancing point of view, and that's the part that I need to stress on because uh, unfortunately we've been seeing a lot of different set of examples uh, that have led to a number of situations as to where um, people found themselves in, in, in awkward situation, put it this way. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to uh, emphasize and highlight. So the difference, the different in terms of licenses. Uh, uh, Mark talks about freelancers and the perhaps versus his license. The freelancers in general terms, and this is why freelan freelancers uh, are quite common um, in the sport community. Sport because uh, a lot of people obviously like to go do things on their own, and so the freelancer's license is sort of the most natural uh, step forward. Uh, in the UAE, what that means to have a freelancer license, there is such a thing as a freelancer license. There are a number of uh, uh, zones that offer freelancer license. But uh, in relevant terms, a freelancer license means you are on your own. You cannot really have any, uh, other employees working for you. Uh, so you can uh, do your trade, but as a, as a basically a, a sole entity or a sole person, uh, but you have a legal license or a, a legal identity behind it. Uh, so that's a, that's called a freelance license. Now, for uh, freelance licenses for the sports activities, you still additionally, in addition to the the, the economic license or the economic approvals, you also need to ha have additional approvals, perhaps, such as if you are in sports, you, uh, in legal terms and technically speaking, you also need approvals, for example, from reps, which is the the Register of Exercise Professionals, the Dubai has its own reps, uh, basically authority, if you will. And in relevant terms, what that means is that because you're offering sports, so you need to have to show the, the, to the authorities that you know what you're doing. And how do you show that? Well, obviously, by presenting certain qualifications. Where where do you obtain these qualifications, and and what is the evidence of the qualifications? So, uh, some some uh, athletes or some sports um, uh, professionals come here with their own qualifications and their own licenses, and they use those to show that they have the experience, and and they get the license issued kind of on that basis. But um, ultimately, and if those who want the starting up, they can get the license and the qualifications through reps, and reps is also a number of 
uh, of uh, institutions that they list on their website where you can get the qualifications in order to get the certification from reps. So in short, if you are in sports as a freelancer, you also need to have, in technical terms, approval from reps. And to do that, you need to have the right qualifications, which you can do it either through the local entities or facilities here or from abroad. But it, legally speaking, you're required. That's, that's the right way of doing things. Furthermore, you also need to have insurance. And for obvious reasons, for all the sports professionals out there, they need insurance to protect themselves since they are in the trade that perhaps results to, uh, is, is more prone to physical injuries, but also you should protect uh, those who you teach. So insurance is a big component. Uh, and, uh, but that's kind of, that's the, the simplest form of, um, uh, profession or, or a professional license for um, sports professionals is this freelance form. But then you cannot have anyone else working for you. And that's basically the extent of your growth, which, uh, which is fair enough. But if you want to, like Mark wants to approach schools and nurseries, they need more confidence, uh, that, uh, and obviously confidence and versatility that if you get sick, uh, you working with a freelancer is not going to be very helpful to the school because it's a one, one person shop. So they need to have perhaps to work with more companies or businesses like Marks, which has now it's no longer freelance. It's also in the same industry, i.e. sports and sports education, but it's actually a company and a company that has licensing activities that allow him to offer these kinds of sports. Now to have that sort of a company, in addition to having that particular business license, perhaps if it's a DED, it would be like a limited liability company, for example, it could be a sole establishment. Uh, but you also additionally need uh, approvals from other authorities, like Mark said. Here, for example, in Dubai, it's the Dubai Sports Council, but also approvals from the Ministry of Youth and Sports, uh, which is not easy to do because it's not like anybody, it's not like I can go and get an approval for from the Ministry of Youth and Sports. You need to show your qualifications. Uh, so, and that obviously gives, is, is uh, what gives um, nurseries and schools the confidence uh, and the ability to then retain uh, businesses like uh, Marks, which I guess that's the activities like a sports academy. So now you can, but they have the confidence that, well, if Mark is not well, okay, he can bring in people because his business license allows him to bring additional people. Obviously, there would be also insurances, questions of insurances. They want to have the, the assurances that should anything happen, that the school will not be responsible, that you have the adequate insurance to protect yourself, for example, and and your employees. Uh, so those are in legal terms, those are kind of the licenses and the licensing um, framework uh, that all those who want to do sports need to consider. Because what often happens, and we see it all the time, that you know people, there are some people that are very good at uh, working out in the gym or playing tennis, and they want to teach. And that's fair enough, uh, but to do it legally, those are kind of the steps. Ultimately, you will need to have approvals from other authorities like the sports authorities, and you will also need to, if you're going to do it as a business, you need to have a proper business license to actually conduct this as a commercial activity. So that's on one front. The other front, and I'd be curious to hear what Mark has to say about this, is in particular for his business as a business academy or a sports academy. When you go and you sign up with clients, it's one thing when you're teaching individuals, but when you teach uh, sports to schools and nurseries, there's, there's got to be some sort of an agreement, as Tim, as you said, uh, that uh, that you rely on, everybody relies on. Who drafts them? You know, what are these agreements? Did you draft them? Did somebody draft them for you? And I ask this question because there's so many 
professionals or small businesses that we are approached by on a regular basis, especially now because of Corona, a lot of people have gone on their own and setting up their own businesses and they realizing the importance of having contracts. Some realize the importance of having contracts, but many don't. And I understand why, because there's always a cost to it, right? And so when you're starting out, you don't even know if you're going to succeed to begin with. So you're very mindful of the money you spend. Uh, but I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to actually have the right contracts early on because uh, you're fortunately for the likes of Mark, it's a, it's a good, it's a good reality when all of a sudden you're so busy that you don't have time to think about contracts. I mean, that's great. However, there are risks uh, to, to that as well because now you kind of lost the momentum and you have all these clients, you have all this work around there, but in fact, should there be a problem the, uh, on, from a legal stand, a standpoint, you are not protected because, and, and the client is not really protected because they don't know what happens in the event Mari gets sick and they've already paid up front because it's not really in the agreement, for example. So what we see often is uh, we're seeing a lot more health professionals coming our way, nutritionists coming our way and saying, okay, we want an agreement. Uh, what should we put in there? And it's and then and they'll give us often drafts of agreements that they've been using for years. And it's it's um, perhaps not um, unexpected, but somewhat uh, disappointing to see how few of those agreements actually do the job, to do what they need to do to protect both the uh, the business and uh, the customers or the clients on the other side. Uh, so I don't know what you use, Mark, as agreements. If you do use them at all, and who helped you draft? But I, you know, I know always it's the consideration. There is the cost because if you want to do things right, you want to go to a professional. But to go to a professional, that's going to cost you money. So what have you re- used, and have you ever had to rely on these documents? Yeah, rule of thumbs that we, I myself apply in in my businesses I, because we're dealing with with big entities. When we talk in schools or nurseries or communities, those people have their own lawyers. They have their own, you know, legal 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 representation. So, rule of thumb we do is you provide us with a sample of your uh, legal agreement. We're going to take it over and show it to our own personal legal representation that we have, uh, and and from there and on, it's going to be um, a, a negotiation moving forward. That's from a from a company point of view. So you use, you've used their agreements for the most part. Yes. Well, well. Obviously, we have a set and stone rules of of understanding that we had when we met the first time, in terms of we the scope of services that we want to apply to, let's say, the state location. But what what is said during a meeting sometimes is not what is actually put on paper when it comes to the official signing. So um, being in business for quite a long time, I've learned my lessons. So anyway, what we, what we said is, uh, okay, you guys provide us with your own legal framework. Uh, um, we took our own set of main point that we took from the, from the meeting. And then therefore you guys provide us with your own legal framework. And then from there on, we're going to see if this legal frame, framework uh, applied to our set of vision moving forward with you guys as a contract. You know, and that's a, just to kind of finish up on that particular point is that's a, that's an important uh, point to highlight that just because you're working with a big institution, a big school, and they give you your own set, their own set of agreements doesn't mean that you don't have a say in terms of uh, amending those agreements. And, uh, and in fact, it's very important as a business because you're doing it as a business too, as Mark said, identify things that matter to you 
and then to make sure and that those things that matter to you are based on your experience as a business and then include those and incorporate them in the agreement. So don't be afraid as a business to say, to push back, even if you're dealing with a big school and to say, well, this, these are the terms that are important to, for us to include and they must make it in the contract. Because at the end, when there is a problem, that's where, uh, that's the instrument that everybody relies on. And if it doesn't have the terms that you know you need to have to protect you, protect you, then, um, you know, it's, you, the agreement in this particular case will always supersede any oral representations that you might have had uh, in the past, as long as you don't have uh, evidence of them. Uh, so um, I do think that what, one point I want to highlight is the importance of, of doing things in the business right and from the beginning. But that's not to say to complicate things. But in the cases like you know sports activities, I'd say as a business, do what Mark just said, sit down identify a list of things that are important to you and make sure that they include those in the simplest terms. You don't have to necessarily go to even a lawyer. But if you want to know, for example, about, let's say, commitment, you want to put that in on, on paper. Don't be afraid to sit, sit down and write, I want a commitment of, let's say, five sessions. And then I want a payment up front. And if you miss your pay, your session, then basically you've lost your payment. I'm just using this as an example. So so as a business, especially a startup entrepreneurs, don't be afraid to just in plain language, plain English, just put down uh, what it is that you want uh, to, uh, to be reflected in your relationship with your clients. There is a whole logical episode all about contracts as well, which sticks in my memory. And it's that there, simple terms, plain English, and it could also be... Uh, on WhatsApp as well. I learned that uh, from you, Ludmilla. Final words to uh, Mark. If, if somebody's listening to this podcast, has got this far, got through all the doom and gloom and the, <laughs> the COVID-19 uh, uh, restrictions and, you know, to the point where they're still thinking, okay, I do want to do this. This is something that I could do. I do want to go in this direction. Well-being, fitness um, is a sector that is set to grow again. It's set to boom again. Let's face it, once we get back to some kind of new normal, whatever that is, um, what would your advice be, Mark? What, what are your thoughts? Well, personal thought, I'd say set your goals high. You know, um, right. um, know what you want in life um, and go get it. I mean, it's a, it's a go-get-it mentality that would set the, the day-to-day Joe from the uh, successful, I want to be on another level of what I want to be in my career. Uh, unfortunately enough, I've seen in my business a lot of tremendous talented trainers and everything that didn't have the passion to be able to, to go to that next step. Um, they had the qualifications, but not the passion. We are in a field of delivering quality services to a very precious commodity that I'm calling your children or uh, adults, but mostly children that we're working with. If at one point in life you have any doubt as whether you're a freelancer or whether you are thinking of going expanding in, in, in your field of fitness, health and wellness or sports, if you have any doubt that, you know, um, this type of segment of the population is is not up your alley then just i'd say go to another direction completely um I, i'm going to give you a very specific example yesterday i was i was i was giving a lesson uh, there was somebody else next to me that was doing almost the same thing that i was doing 
And funny enough, I mean, when I got into my lesson, I was asking uh, some of the parents. So you've, I just wanted to see what, how the parents were going to react. So I said to the parents, I say, what do you think? Do you think, did, did you see, did you see the two aspects of, of providing a service? So one of the parents said to me, well, but there was no life in what was happening next to me. Meaning, you know, there was no ambition. There was no... You have to mean it, don't you? You, you do. And I think that, you know, it's... I mean, talking to you now, I have goosebumps. I mean, that's just telling you that, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, is, is you have to be entrenched in what you want to do. Mm. And, and from there, you can build up on if you have a vision of where you want to be within the next five to 10 years, you can build up your goals, but along the way, make sure that when you build those goals up, you don't burn yourself out. You don't burn anybody else with you as you move forward. And you make sure that, you know, you are working the proper way while dealing with all the things around you in order for you to be able to get to where you want to be. So keep your passion at the core of what you do. Exactly. And it truly comes from, if you have it in the heart, it comes from the heart and it shows. That's the lesson of today's discussion. I feel like I've learned something today. And that is another episode of Logical. This time, well-being, fitness, health, personal trainers, academies, and much more. Our special guest today was Mark Massad. Mark, I really appreciate your openness, I have to say, and honesty. Uh, all the best. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And as ever, our legal expert here on Logical, Lumilia Malava, managing partner of Yamalava and Plaska. Thanks, of course, for your legal expertise and contributions. Oh, it was a pleasure, Tim, and oh, it was very enjoyable. If you have a legal question you need answers in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, you can WhatsApp us directly 00971 or you can go to lylawyers.com and click on the contact button. Thank you.